0: seated. Hey everybody, good morning welcome to coastal if you're new here today uh, i am pastor chris it's great to have you with us today Uh, i know it is uh it's miserable out there and it kind of at least it's not freezing cold but it is raining and dreary and uh raining and dreary outside then you walk inside and you see that pastor chris's uh title of his message is what to do when you're depressed wow now you're really depressed right it's just miserable you're no 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 this is going to be a good day today um we're going to offer some hope and some, some help today, but uh, hey, before we get started, uh, yesterday at my house, and I don't know what possessed my wife. I mean, I don't know why we did this, but we, uh, we had a yard sale yesterday morning. Yeah, yard sale. Get up at you know six, six thirty in the morning, take all your crap, put it outside sell it all for a quarter, you know, it's kind of humbling, anybody raise your hand if you've done yard sales, yard sales, okay, that's a whole other culture, isn't it, I mean, it's like a subculture of people who show, up. it's that group of people that show up like an hour before everybody else, you know, try to get the good deals and then sell it at their yard sale, I think, or they show up at the very end, I mean, little does anybody know, I mean, like, I just want to tell some, you know, you're dickering with me over a quarter. Like, if you give me a dime, I'll let you take it, you know. I don't want to take it to the dump or to the to goodwill at the end of the day. Just take it, take it. But uh, anyway, we made a little bit of money, so it was fun. But um, anyway, welcome. We're, we're glad that you're here today. You know, it is no secret that for a lot of people, and I'm sure many of you, Uh, that during this time of the year, this is why I want us to talk about this today, Uh, from like now, you know, here we are, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, until New Year's. Uh, This is a very difficult time for a lot of people. It really is. I mean, it's a season that is full of uh, depression, discouragement, and, uh, and a lot of you, though, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the motions, right? You'll put on the happy face and, and go to all the family gatherings. In fact, raise your hand if you're going out of town this week. Any of you going out of town, going out of town somewhere? Okay, you don't even know where you're going to sleep yet, do you? You're like, you, you know, do they have us on an air mattress, you know? Or, or maybe it's that pull-out sofa, right, that's got the bar. Like, why? Right in the middle of your back, it's miserable. But we'll go through the motions. And yet, deep down inside... For far too many people, this whole idea of the happiest time of the year and holiday cheer—it is nothing more than a Hallmark sentiment. Um, and to deal with those feelings that a lot of people will experience during this time of year, those, those feelings of depression and discouragement, uh, a lot of people will turn toward—they'll uh, spend, they will eat, they will drink their way through basically the next two months. In fact, let me ask you a question. What's your go-to thing when you're down, you know, th- feeling a little blue, you're, you're depressed, you're discouraged? What's your, what's your go-to? How many of you eat? You're eating, you know, you're your depression eaters, okay? Okay? I mean, like, nothing greater than, a, you know, a little jar of Ben & Jerry's, right? A little cup or whatever bowl. Um, you know, Girl Scout cookies get you through the holidays, right? Um, how about this? How many of you are depression spenders, spenders and like black friday you know it's like your day your holiday right you are ready to spend your way over the now if you're a depression eater and a spender you're in big trouble this is this is going to be a night nice... and i won't i won't tell this who this person was somebody actually told me uh, before, the, before the service this morning that they were trying to quit smoking over the holidays. And I was like, woo, good luck on that one. That's great, you know? It's not a difficult time. Uh, but hey, we're gonna offer some hope and some help today and, uh, because God, God's power is real. Um, all of those things, though, that we turn to when we're feeling discouraged and depressed, uh, they really are just temporary fixes. You know, here, here's the great news, guys. God has a better way. And he, he's got hope, and he's got, he's got help. He has an answer for you. Now, before I go any further today, I, I do want to clarify terms just a little bit. Um, I want to make sure that you understand what, what we are talking about and what we're not talking about. Because depression is one of those loaded words today. You know, it definitely is. It's one of those words, kind of like love, you know, that people will use, and it means a whole lot of things. You know, it could mean, I love you, or I love chocolate. Or I love you when you bring me chocolate. You know, I mean, it could just mean a whole bunch of things. And depression is one of those words where it has a lot of a lot of meanings to it. It's, you know, it's on different parts of the scale. And so, I want to talk. want to. I want to mention what I'm not talking about when, when in this message today. I'm not talking about uh, clinical depression. I, I'm of the opinion that clinical depression is an entirely different topic. Um, I happen to believe that it is, it's a medical condition. You know, there aren't just, hey, five simple steps to a better you, and you're going to get over, you know, clinical depression. Um, if you suffer from clinical depression, there are some things that you're going to hear today and you're going to learn today that might be helpful, maybe as you manage certain symptoms. But I also know um, that you need a lot more than what I'm going to give in one message. And so, if there is a chance that you or somebody you love is dealing with clinical depression, I, I want you to hear this loud and clear today. Because the truth is, you don't hear this in a lot of churches, and I think we ought to say this um, seek medical help. Seek medical help. I got no problem saying that. Um, you know, I think, uh, yes, we are spiritual primarily but we're also physical, and I also believe that God created all things, and, and if you had heart disease, what would, if you had heart disease today, what would you do? You go what? You go to a doctor, right? I mean, you got diabetes, you go to a doctor. You got asthma, you go to a doctor. Um, I think if you have clinical depression, it's the same thing. It's a medical condition. I believe that there's such a thing as a chemical imbalance that could be treated with the proper medication and, and therapy. Now, that said, here's the problem with me saying that. Okay, here it is. You ready? And again, let's just lay it on the table. Like most things here in our country, we go to extremes. And uh, and while I do believe that it's a real treatable medical condition, I also believe on the other hand that we are way over medicated in our country today. And you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, the reality is you could show up at most doctor's offices today and you could basically just say you're feeling a little blue and you will walk out of there with a prescription for a powerful antidepressant. And no one talked to you about managing it. No one talked to you about therapy. No one talked to you about chemical imbalances in a period of time. No one talked to you about anything. He's like, well, here's a prescription. I think that's dangerous. I think that's dangerous, especially for some of the wild and crazy side effects for a lot of a lot of medications today. But That said, okay, again, that doesn't mean that there aren't real people who have a real medical condition and need to be medically treated. So I just want to explain that going into the front of this message today. Because if you live with somebody who is clinically depressed, you need to make me a promise today, okay? Here's the promise you need to make to Pastor Chris. At the end of the day, at the end of the message, you will not Take my sermon outline, fill in all the blanks, and go up to the person that you know that's clinically depressed and go, See, here, right here, if you'll just do these five things, Pastor Chris said that you could get over this, okay? Don't do that. What you're going to do then is, for someone who has clinical depression, you're going to send them into a steeper, uh, quicker, uh, faster nosedive, okay? Now, the good news here at Coastal is that we actually provide professional help. Uh, through one of our, our counselors, our staff counselor, Kenny Hahn, and uh, we can point you in the right direction. And uh, so today, if that's, if that's the case, if you need counseling, if you're not sure, if you think you might be struggling with, with clinical depression and you need to get pointed in the right direction, write that down on the bottom of your Connect card, turn it in, and we will offer you help and hope. Um, today, I'm, I want us to talk about, though, the type of depression that I think everybody experiences from time to time. And uh, it it, it can be brought on by by a lot of different stuff. And I've listed some of them. It's not on your outline, but you might want to write some of these down. Because I'm talking about the depression that's brought on by things like stress. Okay? Stress. Fatigue. You're exhausted. You're tired. You work yourself into a frenzy. Uh, Here's a big one during this time of the year. Unrealistic expectations. Stress. Fatigue. Unrealistic expectation. Loss. Pain. Now, the problem is, okay, right now, those five things that I just listed, they are in abundance over the holidays, right? I mean, they are. Think about it. Stress, unrealistic expectations, loss, pain. Everybody experiences depression. Uh, Sometimes, for some people, it is so severe that they wish they were dead for others it 's maybe just mild and they 're just kind of down in the dumps. Uh, I, I really do think though it 's something that all of us have in common, and the only difference between your depression and maybe the person that 's sitting next to you is how severe it is and how often it strikes. But I think we all experience it so what 's the answer? How do we deal with it what, what, Where do we go who, who do we turn to now? You could go online, Uh, there's going to be a bunch of different shows over the the next uh, several weeks during the holidays, helping people deal with depression and being down in the dumps and having the holiday blues, and you'll see a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. And some of the things that you'll see and hear people talking about as far as managing their depression will be things like to eat right. You know, even over the holidays, it's important to eat right or get plenty of rest and and exercise regularly and uh, maybe enjoy some activities that that are free with your family and, you know, spending time with people that you care about and, uh, you know, not dwelling on the past and not having unrealistic expectations. And you'll see all these do's and don'ts for all these things. And I I just want to say up front, all of that's great. And I I I think they're great suggestions. They offer some help, stuff like that. But... The problem is that they just don't go far enough. They really don't address the, the root of, of the issue. And so today, like we always do here at Coastal, what I want us to do is just dig right into Scripture, and I want to share a story with you about a woman who struggled with depression. And uh, her name is Hannah. Now, Hannah is one of two wives of this guy by the name of Elkanah. The other wife was named Peninnah, and Peninnah had children. Now, in that culture, in that day, having children was kind of a a mark of notoriety, you know, almost like a mark of of wealth and and power and prestige. And if you had no children, um, it was really seen as a great failure on, on your part personally. Okay, so that's kind of the backstory of what's happening here with uh, Peninnah and and Hannah. Now, every year, the husband would take his family uh, to this place called Shiloh, where they'd have this big festival and a a big sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that it was kind of a big celebration. And to celebrate, the husband would would give gifts to his family. Now, Peninnah, because she had children, they would get a bunch of gifts, You know, the kids would get gifts, she would get gifts. It was just a lot of celebrating, a lot of fun. You know, you might even think in terms of like like Christmas almost, okay? Now, Hannah, because she didn't have any children, she'd get one gift. So here she is in this big celebration, everybody's having fun, opening up all these presents, and she's got like one. And so to make matters worse, I mean, to even, to make it, you know, even deeper for her, uh, Penina would take it upon herself basically to, to stick a knife you know, in Hannah and kind of you know, make fun of her because she didn't have any children and uh, make, make her feel even worse. And so the Bible tells us that Hannah experienced so much depression that she would cry. She would cry so much that she couldn't eat. Now, some of you maybe go to that other extreme you know, during the holidays or during a time of depression. Maybe you don't you know, eat your way through it, but you starve your way through it. And so that's basically what's going on with Hannah. And the Bible says that it was this way every time of the year. Same time of the year, same thing. Now, as I was reading through the story this week, it dawned on me that that's true for some of you. I mean, think about it. Here we are again. You know, Thanksgiving is Thursday. You're going to be with family, you know, friends. Some of you are going to be in situations where... It is going to be stress to the max. And it's the same old pain, the same memories, the same hurts, the same loneliness. For some of you, it's already the same financial stress. And whatever it is, it's like, here we are, here we go again. And it begins to pile up and pile up. And it, again, it starts right now. It goes right on through December. It goes right on to Christmas and New Year's. And you just spiral, spiral deeper down into a holiday depression. Now, from Hannah's story, I think there's some principles here we can learn about how to deal with that, about what to do when you're depressed. So here, let's talk about it. Number one... I need to admit how I feel. That's just the starting place, admitting how I feel. That means you stop denying it, you stop running from it, you stop, you know, when people ask you how you're doing, you stop putting on the fake, phony, you know, happy smile and pretend like everything's okay. Uh, Proverbs fifteen thirteen says this, a broken heart, what, what's the word? Crushes, crushes the spirit. Now here's the wisest man, Solomon, and he basically says... Almost in a matter-of-fact way, when your heart hurts, depression comes. I think that's what he's saying when it crushes your spirit. In other words, it's an expected response to heartache. It's like this universal thing. It doesn't matter you know, where the heartache comes from, what caused it, because with heartache comes a crushed spirit. So what do you do with that? Now, again, a lot of times we we bury those feelings, we deny it, we just heap on on more guilt. Look what what these two verses describe uh, Hannah, how she dealt with her feelings. Verse 7, Hannah would finally be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And then in verse 10, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. So she's feeling miserable at this point. Now, but what she begins to do with her pain is exactly the right thing to do She admitted what she was feeling verse 15 one translation says I am very sad Another translation says I am deeply troubled She admitted it and so the first step to to healing is admitting how you're feeling. Okay, number two I need to find a safe place I need to find a safe place You need to have a place in your life where you can do what we just talked about in point one. You need a place and you need people in your life where you can tell somebody your struggles and your heartache and you know that it's going to be okay. So Hannah had that place. Verse nine, once when they were at Shiloh, Hannah went over to the tabernacle after supper to pray to the Lord. Now the tabernacle is their place of worship. So Hannah went there after supper to pray to the Lord. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance. No, so Hannah had been to this tabernacle every year and she knew that this was a safe place for her to go. And she knew that Eli would be there and that he would be a safe person to talk to. She, had been, uh, she, she knew that the tabernacle was a place where she could openly admit it, where she could be honest. And she knew that nobody was going to think less of her for admitting where she was at. Now, here's what I want you to hear loud and clear today as I read that passage. I hope that you have discovered or you will discover that coastal is a safe place. That coastal is a safe place. I I really believe that. I believe that that the church, more than any other place, ought to be a place where you can be real. Real where you could be honest and open and safe with your hurt and with your struggles. Now, just in saying that, I realize that for a lot of people, that's not true about church. That's not been their experience with their upbringing or their denominational background, whatever it is. And I just want you to hear loud and clear. We're trying to create a place here at, here at Coastal where it is safe. Now, I also believe that your safe place could be your life group. It could be a worship experience. It could be, you know, a counselor. You need a place where you can express worship to God. You need a small group where you can openly express your struggles with other people. Now, some of you, many of you here today, have already spent the last two months in a life group. Now, many of you have discovered that in that period of time, in just a short period of time, eight weeks, that... What a safe place a life group can be. Where you can open up. People not only know your story, but now they've learned more about you. And you can the mask could begin to come off, and you've been able to be real with people, and hopefully they've been real with you as well. And you've 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 helped share each other's burdens. Now, others of you, you're not quite sure yet. You haven't yet experienced that yet. And so my challenge to you is don't give up. Don't quit. You see, church is so much more than just something you do or you go to. It's it's, it's, it's a family that you're a part of. It should be that safe place where people are able to be real and you can be real with others. And if you've not yet had that experience, I would challenge you not to give up because there's going to to come a day when you're going to wish you hadn't given up. You know, I, and I just want to share with you from my own experience that, um, man, I love our church. And, I, and I, I love our community. I love our fellowship. I love the small groups that I've been a part, in, part of. Man, I, I love my men's group. Because for me, over the years, even as a pastor, this has been a safe place. You know, I, I actually went to um, a funeral this week um, of a guy who took his own life. And uh believe it or not, he was a pastor, and one of the things that I kept hearing and I heard over and over again from his family and from other people at their church was that you know maybe a lot of people shared with him, but he never he never shared with other people you know what he was going through and what he was dealing with and i 'll be honest with you, I mean I was sad I just it broke my heart that you know that here is a, a, a person of healing and a person of you know who listens and counsels with other people and yet for whatever reason he never felt like he could be honest and open with others and uh you know i, I don't want that and and i don't want that not just for me but i, I don't want that for you so we need uh, need to admit how we're feeling we need to find a safe place uh, number three turn my attention to god turn my attention to God. Uh, One of my favorite passages is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And um, I also like it in the message. Listen to this. It says, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. You know, when I decide to turn my attention toward God, what happens is I get the attention off of myself. I get the focus off of myself because it's very difficult to give your attention to two things at the same time. And so when I fix my attention on God, he begins to change me from the inside out because how I feel is affected by the direction that I face. So how do I do that? How do I turn my attention toward God? Well, I invite him to be a part of whatever it is I'm dealing with. Look at verse 10. It says, Hannah prayed to the Lord. Now, as I say that, I don't want you to think this. Well, man, I went to church and I'm dealing with depression. And Pastor Chris said, well, if you just pray about it, it'd be better. No, that's not what I'm saying. Listen to this. Because there's something going on here that's even more than just her talking to God. Look at verse 15. It says, I was pouring out my heart to God. That's how she describes what's happening here. Her prayer time. She is pouring out her heart to God. What happens when you do that? Well, when you pour out your heart to God, you're making room for God in your heart. You're not holding anything back. You're admitting to him that you don't have all the, all the answers for your pain and for your depression, but you know, God does. And so you're focusing on him. You know, if, if you're in, a, in kind of a dark place right now, I would challenge you, my pushback to you would be, when's the last time you've actually done this? Now, not, not just, you know, say your little prayers before you go to bed. That's not what I'm talking about here. I mean, like, when you just unloaded it on God, And you dumped it out all on him because that's exactly what Hannah did. That's what I'm challenging you to do. Because the God that I know and the God that I love and who loves me and who loves you, he is big enough to handle it and to still love you. Now, what was Hannah saying to God when she poured out her heart to him? Look at verse 11. And she made this vow. Oh, Lord Almighty, if you will look down upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours his entire lifetime. As you read this whole story, I don't think that Hannah was just asking God to fix her problem and to give me a child and to take away my pain. I think she was saying, God, I'm making a commitment here to you. I'm going to give you my life. And and if you choose to put a new life in me, I will invest that new life in you. In other words, what she was really doing was saying, God, you know, I'm making a commitment that that you're going to be all of my life. In fact, I want you to have all my past, all my present, and my future, she says. I mean, really, she's she's making this, this declaration. She's recommitting her life to God. And I think that's a part of pouring out our heart to God. It's not just unloading and dumping on him, but also recognizing that, God, you're God, and I'm not. And I give you everything, my, my past, my present, and my future. Number four, let somebody know you're hurting. Man, that's, that's so important. Again, that's the thing that I kept thinking about all week long about this guy. Let somebody know you're hurting. Galatians two says, share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know, I can't share your problems and troubles unless you share them with me. And you can't share mine unless I share them with you. You know, God never made you to go through your pain and your depression all by yourself. I I don't think you can. You can stay in your depression. You can sit in your depression. But I don't think you can make it through your depression all alone. I think you need God. I think you need other people to help you through your pain. Now, let me give you a heads up about something. When you get to that point, when you let somebody else in and you share with somebody else and you let them know what's going on, um, be prepared that they might not say what what you want to hear. Now, they might say what you need to hear, but they might not say what you want to hear. Hannah actually opened up with two people, we know. Uh, One was her husband. In verse 8, it says, Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, I realize that when you first read that or hear that, those words could take on completely different meaning depending on how you see them, how you read them. Um, It could be that he was basically saying, Hannah, it's okay. Get over it. You got me. Now, when you're depressed and someone tells you it's okay, what do you want to scream at them? No, it's not okay. It's not. Now, I really don't think that's what he's saying When when you see the whole context here, what's going on. I think Elkanah was saying more to her Hannah, I love you. You know, with or without children, I I couldn't love you more. Even if we had 10 children, but even if it never happens, Hannah, I want that for you. I know you want that, but if it doesn't happen, in the long run, we do have each other. So maybe, just maybe, and I know this won't be easy, but could you take a moment and just take an evaluation of what we do have. Look at what we do have instead of what we don't have. One of the things that's that's so difficult during the holidays, because we're so busy comparing ourselves to other people, is to look around at what you already do have. You might not be blessed as somebody else that you know, but my guess is it's more than other people. The, another person that Hannah um, listened to was Eli. Uh, in verse 17, Eli the priest said, Cheer up. May the God of Israel grant you the request you have asked him. I want you to notice the word may there. May. I think that's an important word in this verse because I really don't see anywhere here that that Eli actually guarantees her that she's going to have a child. I think he's simply coming alongside her. He is blessing her. He is encouraging her. And I think he is agreeing with her and even asking God to give her a child, but he wasn't promising her what the outcome is going to be. But whatever it was, He promised her, listen, Hannah, you know what? God is faithful. He always has been. He always will be. I think we need that when we're depressed. I don't think we need people who try to fix it all. But I think we need people who come into our lives and say, hey, listen, I don't don't have all the answers, but I know that God is faithful. But that can't happen unless you open up to somebody. By the way, I think that's why it's so important that we look for people who are hurting during this time of the year, that we try to be that safe place for them. And there's one more thing that I want you to catch here. When you're depressed, number five, you need to actually believe that God will help you. That God will, that he can, and that he will help you. You see, when I believe, when I truly believe that God will help me, whatever situation I find myself in, then that belief begins to Play itself out in my attitudes and in my actions. In other words, what I believe, what I truly believe affects how I feel and how I behave. And that's exactly what happened. Here's what happened next in the story, verse 18. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and she began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. Now, was she pregnant? I mean, she's, she's not pregnant. What, what changed? What happened? Well, she let her actions reflect her trust in God's faithfulness. Don't, don't miss this verse. It says, she was no longer sad. Now, it doesn't say that her depression uh, left immediately or disappeared. It doesn't say all her pain was gone. If there's no guarantee here of her ever having a child. How in the world could she leave the temple... And go from crying so hard she couldn't eat, and to being sad to having all of that change. How could that happen? Well, here's how. She came to realize something that she really knew all along, and that is the God that she poured her heart out to is the God who is faithful. And when you trust God's faithfulness, your response can precede the results. Write that down. When you trust God's faithfulness, your response can precede the results. She simply rediscovered the faithfulness of God. And she let her actions, how she responded to what's making her so sad, begin to change. And she knows God's faithful. She has no idea how it's going to work out. She has no idea if and when things are going to change, but she knows God's faithfulness never changes. And she knows God is all that she really needs. Now, in case you're wondering what did happen, verse 20 says this. And I love this first little phrase. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him what? Who's this? Samuel. Saying, because I asked the Lord for him. You know what I've I've discovered in my life Over and over and over again. It's in the course of time that I discover that God is faithful. I mean, sometimes, and and again, really that's what it's all about. It's about the journey. It's about the process. And we're so fixated on the end result or what we want or what we think we need. and, And really it's over the course of time. Sometimes God gives me what I ask for. Sometimes he says, no, that's not what's best for you. Sometimes he says, wait. But what I've discovered is that he's always faithful. He never leaves me and he never forsakes me. You know, if you've not yet come to the place in your life where you've actually invited Jesus into the course of your life, if you've not yet asked God to come right into the journey of your life, He is waiting on you to do that today. He's waiting on you to say yes to Him. It is not terribly complicated. It's a matter of you pouring out your heart to God and saying, God, I don't understand everything about life. I don't even understand everything about, about you. But I want you... In my life. And I want you in all of it. My pain, my struggle, even my depression. And God, I'll live my life for you. That's it. You know, it's it's understanding that that our God, as faithful as he is, he provided a way for you to come home to him. And he did that in the most beautiful, awesome, miraculous way, he did it through sacrificing his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus came to the earth, and man, you know, Satan thought he, had, he thought he had it won. He thought he had defeated God. He thought if I could only, you know, now if I can get God's own creation to turn on God's one and only son and God's creation to kill his son, All this will be over, and I have won. And so that's what happened. You know, the creation turned on the creator. We turned on Jesus. We brought him up on false charges. We had him beat and crucified and put in a tomb, and Satan thought it was all said and done, and it was over. But death could not defeat him and god turned the greatest you know rope a dope the greatest uh uh miraculous comeback ever in the history of all time and jesus rose from the dead he defeated death he 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 became our our perfect sacrifice and so now only thing that's required of you and me is to say to put our trust in Jesus and who he is and, and what he did. And we are spiritual. We, there is more to this life. Don't you realize there's a verse in Scripture that says, for, for God planted eternity in the hearts of man. In other words, you know. I mean, when there's nobody else around, you're not puffing up your chest in pride. You know that you know that there is more to this life. You know there's something else. And the reason you know that is because God put that there. And if you will simply just admit that and stop running away from God in rebellion, or also, by the way, running away from Him in religion, and you'll just turn to Him in a real relationship through His Son, Jesus, you can have help and hope and eternity and a home in heaven forever. So what are you waiting on? You can have that today. In Coastal, listen, let's ask God to help us be the church where people can come to and take off their mask and be real. By the way, we don't ask people to, you know, to, we don't expect people to act like believers until they are believers. And we don't expect people to come and to clean up their act before they come to God. We don't have to do that. He does the cleaning for us. You know, nobody here is any better than anybody else. We are all forgiven sinners at the cross of Christ. Let's be that church. Let's love people. Let's point them to Jesus. He's the one who does the cleaning. He's the one who does the changing. Not Pastor Chris. Not you. He does. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear heavenly Father, today I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Hannah who deeply struggled with depression. You know, crying to the point where she was in anguish and couldn't eat. Father, there are people here who, you know, the same time, here we are, the same time of the year, they're back at the same place and they're feeling very discouraged and very low. God, I pray they would admit it. They'd find a safe place. They would open up to someone and they would completely open up their life to you. And I pray they know that this is a safe place. This is a a safe church, that our groups are a safe place where you can come as you are and share your story and help bear one another's burdens and listen maybe today you begin to take care of your greatest need of all and that's the need of forgiveness of salvation of hope you know you can be adopted today into the family of God and it is simply as easy as saying God forgive me today I come home today i believe i believe that jesus really is your son i believe that he came to this earth that he that he lived a perfect life for me he was that perfect sacrifice that i could never be i could never earn my way to salvation i could never and i've tried god i've tried to be good i've tried to take things out of my life and yet i've never simply rested in your grace i've never simply said i believe in jesus and i put my trust in him want to follow him. Today, God, that is what I say. Today is the day of my salvation. I believe. And for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Thank you for saving me from my sinfulness. Thank you for giving me power and help to cope with the everyday struggles of life. Your love is big enough to handle God, I do pray for Coastal. May we be the church that you've called us to be. May we be a safe place for a dangerous message. May we be a safe place for people to come as they are, to share their hurts and their struggles, but dangerous in the sense that you turn our lives upside down through Jesus, that you give us the adventure of a lifetime, that that our our entire world changes, but it changes for the better. I, I pray we'd be a place of grace and forgiveness, but also truth. Point people to Jesus, the one and only one who changes, who forgives, and who makes all things brand new. It's in his name I pray.